Welcome to Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. Thank you all for joining us. While cannabis companies are announcing strong growth despite nationwide inflation, the news has been synonymous, right? As calls of a recession are being made, cannabis companies reported close to $6.6 billion in legal cannabis sales, the largest quarter reported to date. I'm recording this here at the end of August 2022. And to outline a state of the industry and current market opportunities, the good folks at Benzinga, of course, Cannabis Radio has been a longtime supporter. Uh, they'll be bringing to the stage over 150 speakers to their upcoming Benzinga Cannabis Capital Conference in Chicago at the Palmer House Hotel, September 13th and 14th. And here to talk to us more about it is the Vice President of Event Partnerships at Benzinga, Elliot Lane. Elliot, thanks for being on. Hey, thanks to you. Thank you so much for having me, George. Really appreciate it. Excited to chat about the state of the industry. And good that you mentioned we're at the end of August 2022 with those numbers, man. Yeah, it's uh, and really when we get more into the interview, astonishing some of the reporting about there of the resiliency of the space with inflation and a recession in place. So let's first of all talk about the presentations that stand out in the agenda. Uh, you know, we also have a conference series. I've gotten the chance to go and do the programming of conferences myself using the cannabis radio content that we do regularly, and it's amazing. When I look at agendas for other conferences, all is about what are the main focuses right now? What are standout sessions that current day important and crucial to the industry? Mm-hmm. Three of them that I looked at right now are how brands scale outside the MSO structure, legalization as a catalyst for consolidation, how your company can prepare, and East Coast on the rise, how cannabis in the tri-state area, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, is taking focus. So I want to really go into what these discussions will say about the blueprint for growth before federal legalization comes into play. I love that. Yeah. These three sessions are actually ones that, you know, we not only developed at Benzinga, but a lot of our partners are anxious to talk about uh, that are speaking on these panels. So the first one you pointed out was uh, I believe the MSO structure growing outside of that structure. So you're going to see companies like Wana brands, obviously everybody knows Nancy. Uh, You're going to see really cool companies though. Like, uh, Aaron Gore uh, in Garden Society. Uh, okay. You'll see Cy Scott will be leading that panel, who obviously has a massive amount of data around brand sales, around sales from both brands and MSOs. Madison Fiore, who is uh, just a really fantastic mind when it comes to marketing within cannabis, right. uh, will be on that. Uh, so, you know, I think when when we look at growth of this industry and what people are excited about, it, it always comes back to some sense of CPG. And brand loyalty, at least on the on the business side, right? right? Um, so w- when thinking about it that way, you're talking about brands like Garden Society, like Wana Brands, uh, that have the opportunity to be a, a booming business across state lines. Obviously, they need partnerships with growers, with these vertically integrated companies uh, to thrive, and they have them. And I think up until now, they've been overlooked. Um, I don't want to spend too much time on one panel, but I, you know, we could talk about this particular discussion a long time as we see a lot of brands, especially from the West Coast. You do yeah. have some from the East Coast, but brands from the West Coast, like like an old pal, uh, you know, like a, a Garden Society, like uh, a Dr. Green Thumbs, or right. you know, a, a bunch of brands coming out of the West Coast. You got to pay attention to them because these companies are they're growing and they're growing quickly. Well, you can see there's different phases of growth right now from the West to East Coast anyway. It's like, well, you know, the United States might have been built from East to West, but the cannabis industry has been built from West to East Mm -hmm. based on how legalization per state happens. 
mentioning some of those names that you have with Garden Society and Headset and some of the others, obviously, well, I will just tell you, Plant Profits, one of our other programs, Vern Davis hosts here, the folks at Protus mm-hmm. Global. We've had a number of those people where we've offered profiles and leadership. I just want to make sure to let people know about that program as well. But it is where you're seeing, it's as if the West Coast companies with Wana Brands or Dr. Greentham or Garden Society, they're um, almost like in phase three of their development while we're learning on the east coast side what can be adapted over number one those msos are expanding into those spaces uh, but obviously there's not a uniform set of standards in place so when you look at that as well you're looking at whether there's development but there's also this ever-changing environment on every new market they open up to mm-hmm. and i think these brands have an interesting opportunity uh, in regards to dodging price compression yeah. and deflation than these MSOs do. Because these these brands are so much more agile. Obviously, they're asset light. So the you know what investors can bet against is a worry sometimes when you have maybe less well-known brands. But when it comes to how they can sell through multiple states, take a take a tilt holdings. Who, who partners with Her Highness, who partners with Black Buddha, who partners with right. Old Pal, they are able to take these brands and put them in markets that otherwise they wouldn't have been able to. But that being said, it doesn't it doesn't keep them from partnering with other MSOs. And I, I mentioned that agility only because of the issues that we're seeing in California right now. Mm-hmm. It, it is a huge issue right now when it comes to price uh, compression. We may talk about that a little bit more later. We may not, but uh, these brands aren't beholden to that market like some some of these mainstream operators are. Right. And when I look at that, I'll just say to myself, the direction of where things are going with MSOs and the growth of them picking up and acquiring other companies, do you feel like there's room where the small business owners out there are going to still have a seat? Because we I've always talked about for the last five years or six years now, the corporatization of cannabis. Obviously, we have Fortune 500 companies. The people from those various companies coming into the space, obviously, knowing what's going on, and also just by the fact of how the market has done so well for cannabis, in a very rough economical environment, that just means more people are going to come into the space. Is that going to hinder the chances for grassroots small business owners to compete, or at least have a place at the table in the market? I, th- I mean, I think you have to answer that market per market, but overall, um, uh, yeah, I, I would, I would actually follow that up with examples such as Florida, who is very medically focused. Uh, DeSantis recently said, mm-hmm. I think last week that he wants to raise the application fees and renewal yeah. fees on licenses. And that in particular would hurt small businesses very specifically right. would hurt right. small businesses, New York. Um, is is really focusing on social equity licenses. They're really, really focusing on trying to include the small business in this. But that being said, protecting cannabis, if you talk to somebody like Abner Curtin at Ascend Wellness, he would say they're doing it pretty poorly yeah. simply because of what they're allowing to still occur in the market, being these illegal head shops and illegal smoke shops still selling THC uncontested. Right. Right. But then you talk to a Christine De La Rosa from the People's Ecosystem, and she highlights New mm-hmm. Mexico, 
as an absolutely thrilling environment for small businesses to efficiently and quickly start up versus in LA where she's had a license for, she said, I think a year and it took her, she's just now getting it up and running. Whereas in New Mexico, people can start up very quickly. But you look at the other side of that in competition and the room for these companies to grow with the market is less likely. So the balance is something that what state do you think has has found it yet? Is it in Illinois with these 186 new social equity licenses or is it any yet? Well, now that's the question, Nelly, is that will the mom and pops that are not in the social equity sphere, not trying to seek a social equity license, is it becoming the environment where you have to be an MSO or you have to acquire social equity license to be in the industry? Because it is there like a it. middle ground? It seems like it, doesn't it? Like right. in terms of in Illinois, I I couldn't name you. I think it's some over 90% of the dispensaries right now that are operational are owned by an MSO. Right. It's insanity. And then, but of course, you're going to have- We knew that was going to happen. My problem mm-hmm. is, where's the middle ground? Is anybody going to come in that can be an entrepreneur and say, okay, I'm a mom and pop. I want to build from the ground up. I don't have the funding that's out there because maybe there's not much out there. Some people have burned the option of funding because you, they've seen you know, people that might be angel investors or, or VC co- companies, hedge funds, they might have put in before and they got burned. They're not going to go back in again, especially with somebody small and unproven and untested. What happens now? There should be that third environment, but I think it's going to get overlooked. I absolutely agree with you. And thinking how some of these licenses cost $200,000. Right. Some of these licenses, if you're not getting a social equity opportunity, uh, whether you know potentially you are a person of color, a woman, a veteran, uh, you know you just want to you just want to be an entrepreneur. It's nigh on impossible because you also have to hire a consultant. You have right. to hire a licensed expert. You have to hire four or five different people to even apply. Mm-hmm. And, and then you have to buy the license. I mean, you may you may as well not even try if you're just a small business and not a multimillionaire. I mean, it, true words. I want to talk about the mergers and acquisitions since we we're obviously talking about MSOs and those companies that want to go ahead and invest in the space now. Uh, your agenda is also focusing on mergers and acquisitions in several sessions, and some reports have stated trends in 2022 where multi-state operators have found it easier to enter new markets by acquisitions rather than building from scratch. And there has been a pickup in public companies buying other public companies that these acquisitions are driven by long-term strategic reasons rather than financial benefits. Finally, there's a sense that federal legalization is coming that's accelerating industry consolidation. Everybody's kind of just shoring up their... Uh, they're, they're basically what their setup is so that they're ready for battle and being one of those big companies once legalization is granted. So, Elliot, what do you say about the changing landscape of M&As and what kind of insights do you think are going to be addressed at the conference? Uh, well, if you look at 2022 data, it's a very different story based on the region that you're operating in. Right. Uh, all, all across the board, I think right now cultivation and retail is at least number two, if not the top. M&A. And that actually has not been reported very well, uh. I think. You know, I think because there's been a huge pickup in M&A with software and, of course, just equity investments in right. software, as well as debt providers, people putting their money into debt capital so that they get a much bigger return than in any other industry. And I'm sure you've gone over that with a number of people on this show. Sure. So maybe I'm not the, the expert to talk well, because about because I that, know I have a friend of mine is actually uh, right now he's working to acquire a lot of investors data. 
Mm-hmm. That is so crucial right now, especially when it comes to every company that wants to, be able to see what the numbers are. If metric will be the standalone universal standard for all companies to go with track and trace, is that going to be the point? Will there be any other people in the market or will it just be a monopoly? Mm-hmm. So that part too, where I see companies and you know, the company, the guy I'm talking about, he has own data that works with metrics. So every track and trace platform, CD sale platform has to work alongside with metric. It looks like, because it looks like every state wants to create that. My problem too, is that when I looked at the state of Maine, I talked to, um, Evan Warner, I think it was uh, from, and I forget the, the where he's with, but in the state of Maine, I remember Metric was trying to be the only uh, available software out there to be used that was compliant for the state, but it would be really outprice many of those other cultivators, other producers to be able to be in there. So that means oh, MSOs could only compete in that state, and that's mm-hmm. not being reported enough as well. Uh, oh, the main Cannabis Alliance—that's what it was. So, Evan Sumner. My thing is, I mean, do you see there where in the area of data and that competition for data, is that something you also see now, which is the driving factor for the acquisitions that have to be happening? I think so. Uh, I am. uh, it, It is interesting to see people claim the BDSA or the headset top brand data, you know, as if it's an award. Uh, in this space. And and when I think about the data, also about the licenses we were talking about, see like a, maybe a global regulatory risk uh, or somebody that takes that license data and puts a value on it. That type of data is invaluable. Uh, The data surrounds decision-making, especially on the financial side, which is of course where Benzinga sits. Right. And if you are not actively supported by data and or case studies for your business, I sincerely doubt you're going to get any financing whatsoever. You you have to yeah. get, you have to have data back you up. Whether if you're a new company, get that market data, get the get the state data that you're in, uh, and understand yeah. the opportunity that you have to attack. Because if it's it's a it's a shame, but if you're vertically integrated and you're a single state operator, unless you're in the top five going toward federal legalization, it's going to be hard for you. You have to fight for that that spot in your own state in order to be considered for an exit in the future, in my opinion. We got a lot more to talk about, Elliot. We're going to go to commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk about. I want everyone to go and talk about uh, uh, price compression. I want to also talk about where cannabis demand has remained consistent and predictable during this area of increased inflation. Some of the stories on Benzinga.com, uh, we can definitely talk about that. Benzinga.com slash cannabis for all the cannabis related stories. Great place to go ahead and reference bookmark that if you have not done so. And again, we're talking in lead up to the Benzinga cannabis capital conference, September 13th and 14th in Chicago, Benzinga.com slash events. I believe where you can go ahead and find more information. We'll be back now with vice president of event partnerships and Benzinga, Elliot Lane here on Blunt Business after a short break. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage – 
all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're back with Elliot Lane, Vice President of Event Partnerships and Benzinga, leading up to the Cannabis Capital Conference, September 13th and 14th in Chicago. There's a recent Benzinga story and a few headlines I wanted to talk to you about, Elliot, talking about how cannabis demand has remained consistent and predictable during this period of increased inflation. Data reflects this both in dispensary visits and per transaction spends. The strong demand is not surprising and is similar to the resiliency of cannabis demand in a recession. How do you interpret those points when it comes to seeing cannabis continue to thrive regardless of these social economic factors? That's a packed question. I think um, how I would look at that is, yes, cannabis has been absolutely essential throughout the pandemic. Uh, and I, you know, this article that uh, Benzinga published is actually from Bo Whitney uh, of Whitney Economics yes. uh, as a contributor to our site. So I do want to credit him for this data. Um, but given that, you know, I, I think in the article, it does state that cannabis consumption will go down to pre-pandemic levels. So it was not affected by inflation, but it is declining. And I think when you look at the reasoning being there's less time to smoke throughout the day, there's less time to use the product until the evenings or the weekends or whatever it may be, it's just, it's just normalizing a bit. Uh, and that being said, I think social and economic factors do come into play there. But it does not mean that cannabis is not thriving uh, and cannabis will not continue to grow because in the time period between uh, COVID starting and where we are now, we've had several states come on, you know, announce that they're coming online as well mm -hmm. as come online. I think New Mexico, Arizona, uh, several others, um, New Jersey, of course, um, and, and sales will continue to increase throughout the U.S. as these states come online. So it it, it is both true that social and economic factors play an effect here when it comes to people going back to work. But it is also true that cannabis continued to thrive over the last two and a half, three years. Will that ultimately change if if Congress did go ahead and go through? I guess we're not in the lame duck session anymore. But I mean, now, obviously, midterm elections are now the focus. So any chance of any kind of passage of any policies right now to support cannabis, that's going to have to wait until probably next year. But in the meantime, I mean, is there any room for any other states to go online that we're looking at right now that could help to further and foster that growth and open up new markets that will continue to let companies continue to go and bring up their bottom line? I think everybody's looking at the Northeast right now um, and potentially these states where activists have put it on the ballot, such as Missouri and uh, if it makes it through South Dakota, if it makes it through, I think it's Arkansas and 
uh, one other, I think, where it's on the ballot. Mm -hmm. Um, But those states, we'll see. I know Missouri state lawmakers are split down the middle. So, you know, that they could always fight it. Same with these other states to see if adult use comes online. So I think that's always something to monitor. But there's a lot more that goes into it than just collecting signatures and putting it on the ballot. Right. Take a, I mean, South Dakota is a perfect example of Christy Noam last time just taking it to court and shooting it down. And yeah. she literally went against her constituents to do so. Uh, but that being said, I think there is hope there. I think if you look at a Missouri market, I think they need adult use to, to have a good industry because there's yeah. too much competition there for the amount of medical users. Uh, in terms of there's too many license holders for those companies to grow than versus the number of medical patients that they have in that state. So it's something where I think for those companies to thrive and for investors to look at Missouri, they need to have uh, an understanding of adult use and the opportunity there. Um, past that, I, I mean, 2024, we're looking at True Leave supporting a, a measure in Florida. There are some other options there, but it's the political wave is tiring. I mean, is it not? Yo, of <laughs> it course. Is, it but, is so tiring. No, it, it absolutely is. But I'll also tell you this too, that also was stunning the growth that I don't think really there's only so much can be said about it. But when you look at New York itself or California, that illicit market continues to be rampant. Mm-hmm. And doesn't matter how much the state control boards and, and either of these markets are trying to curb that illicit those illicit sales. The fact we could see legacy operators that should have social equity licensing, if qualified, and they're deemed uh, worthy of getting one of those licenses. Problem is still that you're still seeing now New York City. What was it? Uh, Eric Adams, the mayor, talking about he's pulling out various trucks that were selling illegally. And Finally. the market's there. So, like, you're just taking away from profits. And there's been no answer for that. And, I mean, I don't know how much can be done in terms of help with that along with the security issues, along with various other factors that continue to take away on the overhead of any of these companies even making more. Isn't that, I mean, that's the big gap though. When, you know, you see this headline hunting from our federal politicians because Mm -hmm. safe banking doesn't, yes, it benefits these MSOs a a bit, but they're already banking. They're already doing it. Like, I I mean- And the banks want them to bank with them. Yeah, they're already banking. Right. The, the people who need it are your small businesses, are your social equity license holders, and are the people who are dealing in cash in large amounts on the West Coast that we see a robbery a week, many mm-hmm. times at gunpoint. And the reasoning for not including SAFE in a passage uh, of the defense bill or however we're talking about it at any given point in time from a lot of these senators is to include social equity instead of benefiting corporate cannabis. But they're completely ignoring the fact that that is who it would benefit. But I'll tell you one thing I keep we're keeping an eye on, which I hope something will happen with it eventually is I'm a radio guy and the SEC having their hold on the fact that they are eliminating or really censoring any possibility of cannabis ads being pushed into television radio markets so they can be pushed. The marketing arm, if that those traditional outlets look, the political ads are going to last for a couple more months and that's gone in November. Mm-hmm. What are these TV and radio stations going to do? to continue to go ahead and service themselves. They need the advertising dollars these cannabis companies can provide. And I still think there's a chance where, without having to change any policy, the SEC can be told, stop banning, which I hope that is one thing that the politicians can do right now in D.C. to help out. What do you think about the impact of that? 
So I actually, uh, on our podcast a couple weeks ago, we had Madison Fiore from um, Matteo Fiore. Yes, uh, we also had him on Planet <laughs> yeah. It's a great, great story there. Yeah, oh my gosh, I love it. I love his connection story with Rosie. Yeah. Uh, but he, I asked that same question to him, and I think he has a much better mind to answer it than me, but just to give you some insight, uh, he said he does not expect it to uh, be a huge effect. Oh. Uh, he he thinks that you know it's a step in the right direction, from what I gathered. But he thinks that these larger companies will still not risk it nor take advantage of it until it is full scale um, legal for them to do so. That's an interesting answer. I would think with with the fact that social media has been such a deterrent for all this time, any chance? I mean, listen. I mean, you have the chances in some cases for you know outdoor billboards, but that's also been a struggle. I think any chance of marketing at all should be, but you know, it's, I, I'm I surprised why marketing is not much more of a priority with a lot of these companies to just pull in more traffic. I just don't get that part. Uh, yeah. Now we talked about safe banking. You, you mentioned it just before. And I want to take from another Benzinger article talking about how uh, it did pass the U S house for the fifth time last September and still no progress in the Senate. But there are unsafe banking and cannabis panelists agreeing the bill would remove barriers that have kept smaller and minority-owned businesses from growth, which is what you said. Um, that's according to Cannabis Business Times. But now, in the meantime, if we don't have the policy relief and we're looking at what New York's been doing right now with social equity for, again, if it's not going to be the middleman, if those disenfranchised, oppressed, those that should have a, a, an equal chance to be at the table and to thrive in underserved markets or underappreciated markets. Is New York State's adult use rollout, has that been a good example for social equity? Is that something that should be nationwide uh, rolled out by other states? Um, I would say it somewhat remains to be seen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I think it's a little early to really say that it's a success because Right now, what you're getting in a lot of the media, and I think including Benzinga, is perspective from those in the industry already. Yeah. And if you get perspective from those in the industry, they probably already have access yeah. somewhat to uh, other regions, other markets. So they're going to look at this and say uh, it could be better. Right. Uh, of course. And, and I think you're going to see that from activists as well. I mean, just to go back to a conversation I had with um, Christine De La Rosa. She thinks social equity as a term has been hijacked and overused. Oh, yeah. I agree. And, and I agree with her, honestly. And I think New York is it, for social equity businesses. And New Mexico tends to be where they go back to in terms of a successful rollout. But that is not where this industry is going. That's so not a big at least, market either to the, as yeah. a good sample anyway. But I agree with that. And well, this is anything that goes as, as social economic. You put those two together, and the people that are supposedly the 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 supporters, the uh, advocates, how performative are they? Because there's a lot of that still going on, and that goes in every space, no matter how well intentioned. And people don't talk about that enough. Listen, I mean, I've had more than enough companies on our other companion show, <laughs> Grassroots Marketing where we've had a number of people talking about their efforts at social equity. And, and mm -hmm. don't get me wrong, there's some great projects out there, but no real answer. I mean, there's you can't expect the government with the kind of help they have. I mean, I appreciate those that are 
offering services to, that make the licensing process easier for them to go ahead and apply and not cost so much. But that's the other part that's not being taken care of because no matter what, you can go ahead and offer the chance for licensing. Those people still have to get the funding and have to be able to go in, like you said, if the cost is going up to $200,000, mm-hmm. you know, who's going to afford it? <laughs> I can't. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm just going to let you know I can't I hop in there and I buy that have that license. much in the bank. I mean, just saying, yeah. you know, really only but, pay so much. Yeah, I'm saying. So I think <laughs> there's, there's two sides to this. Yes. You know, I think when you have to look at this from a governmental standpoint, because that ultimately is where you have to put your pressure. I mean, you can blame MSOs all you want, but they're going to perform within the market that's given to them. You know, and, and one can hold them over the fire if they make promises or if they make zero promises uh, and they don't hold through. But that being said, look at Illinois. I mean, they were really criticized when they first rolled out and they're, you know, they they claim they had social equity and they were yeah. put to the fire saying, uh, you know, with from activists and others saying, no, you kind of sucked at this. Um, (laughs) And then they they released 185, six new licenses uh, that are strictly dedicated for social equity operators and and must be majority majority owned by social equity. Uh, And that is is a step in the right direction, but is still limiting and it is still expensive. Uh, You know, in order to, you must have backing, it seems, to start in some of these states. I mean, you look at, New Jersey. I mean, they rolled out uh, several new licensees, I think a couple months ago, Simply Pure. One of them, his name's Tahir Johnson. He works for U.S. Cannabis Council. I think he'll be one of the first to come online, but he has a lot of friends in this industry, right? He's not just coming in, you know, just out of nowhere, trying to be an entrepreneur and starting it. So it's something that I think there are two sides to this is how are we incubating and accelerating these companies? How are these companies being vetted by the politicians is the other side of it. Right. You've mentioned Illinois a couple of times, obviously this show coming up in Chicago, uh, September 13th and 14th real quickly is, has there been, um, has there been any talk or any kind of programming that will be out there that is focused on Illinois itself? Or have there been any people from Illinois that have reached out to collaborate so they can have a better understanding of what they should be doing better? with their program when it comes to social equity, when it comes to the economic factors and such. Specifically reach out to understand how they can be better. Or participate on the conference uh, itself to get yes. to get the word out. Yeah. So so yes to the second part. Uh, yeah. because we we're making an active effort at Benzinga to be a better partner to the industry. You know, it's all a growth stage. We all grow and figure out how we can support the industry better. Obviously we are a business. We're we're an event company. Uh, you know, and, and we still activate and run that way. But through what we are doing, we're partnering with the likes of Women Grow uh, and, and marijuana, or minorities for medical marijuana and several others, uh, Illinois Women in Cannabis, to offer free tickets to the event, to offer stage time, to offer support on the exhibit floor. Uh, and, and we have companies supporting these scholarships like a True Leave, Tilt, Knox, uh, CC Security Solutions. I think some others are very excited about it as well. But basically, what we want to do here is bring in social equity owners, bring in those minority owners, those women-owned companies to be able to get in front of investors and have access to capital, uh, because that's what we do. And, and that's how we support them. So, you know, in terms of companies reaching out to be a part of that, we have seen that. In terms of of those reaching out who are already in the industry to learn how they can do it better, I've not seen that, and I don't know if they if I would be the person to reach out to 
for them to do that. But there will be plenty of content at this event around that. We're going to have a specific breakout session touching on CSR led by Christine De La Rosa from the People's Ecosystem. You're going to have Green Check Verified, uh, who has a massive access to deployers of capital and how they're trying to get capital to these minority women-owned businesses. We'll have Temeca Group, who's trying to support the build-out of these social equity-owned dispensaries. Uh, Tahir Johnson will be speaking on it. Same with Nancy Whiteman from Wana Brands. And there's a few other pieces of content as well uh, that we're, we're putting on to try and educate about CSR, educate about equity and about ESG and making sure that it's still a part of the conversation moving forward. Exactly. Let's talk more about the conference. We're going to go to one more break. And when we come back, we'll talk more about really just the the variety of speakers you can have at the show that I'm really amazed by. I want to talk about that. So let's go to commercial break one more time. I'm here with Vice President of Event Partnerships at Benzinga, Elliot Lane here on Blunt Business website. Again, Benzinga.com slash events and look for the Cannabis Conference, the Cannabis Capital Conference, September 13th and 14th in Chicago, Palmer House Hotel. We'll talk more and wrap things up after this. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Back with final questions with the vice president of the event partnerships at Benzinga, Elliot Lane here on Blunt Business. So much going on with this and really, I mean, there's too much to go ahead and bring up. Obviously, we just want to send people to the website and let them know they should register. Uh, at the moment, as we record this, hopefully we have this uh, out before just the week of Labor Day as we're going to try to get this quickly rushed out for people to catch this before the week of the show. Uh, what can you tell people about registration and where things are right now and what they can expect if they make the trip? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when thinking about Benzinga conferences, there are two major through points for anything that we do. One is content, obviously, <laughs> and we're a content yeah. generator digitally. Uh, it is the backbone of everything we do. Uh, we cover all markets and cannabis was one of our first um, but that is always going to be a through line of our events. And ideally we have the leaders in the industry speaking from the MSOs to the brands, to the investors, to the service providers. We do not exclude service providers because they are massively important to the, to the success of a lot of these businesses. Uh, you will see networking. That is a huge, that is more important. I think than the content is for you to walk away with connections to help you grow your business. And that is with every event, it should be centralized around networking. But uh, one thing that I think puts us at the top of any event list is the quality of audience. You will see C-suites and decision makers in this audience. Um, and that is where we thrive. And we're going to have keynotes from uh, Boris Jordan, from Charlie Bachtel, from Kim Rivers, from Wendy Berger, from Michael DeGiglio from Village Farms. We're going to be speaking with Nick Vita from Columbia Care, Neo Stock Exchange, and the Canadian Stock Exchange. The list goes on and celebrity-wise. You know, if you want to see what celebrities are doing, we'll have Mike Tyson and Rick Well, Flair can we back. bring that up? I want to just talk about yeah. the fact that you have Hall of Fame boxers and pro wrestlers. You have several sitting U.S. representatives. 
you know that okay well mike tyson is very much more subdued and obviously mm-hmm. he's a big advocate right now and i like what they've been doing with tyson 2.0 and chad bronson bronstein and adam wilkes but i don't know how you're going to control nature boy rick flair on stage because he is a handful i mean I, i've been following his career for a long time but like <laughs> I, we have him coming up on our empire show coming up a, a very near future i don't even know how it's going to be when you have him up there but when you've opened up the space here i mean Talk about the surprise to see that we're seeing a lot. Obviously, you've had athletes out here, but now like the the caliber of athletes that are now endorsing or now collaborating and being part and putting their brand name onto cannabis products. Talk to me about that, and you know, just from the expanses of where people are coming from to participate. Well, and then that's part of this event, as we are a business conference. We want people to come and create business and or get financing. Uh, and that's where Benzinga sits. We're not a consumer conference, um, right. nor do we aspire to be. There are places for that and very successful places. But in terms of what we can do is be a connector and be an educator. And I think that includes seeing these different directions and different attempts at formulating loyal brands in this industry and or medical aspirations as well because a lot of these athletes come from the side of um you know they have trauma they they have physical trauma they have brain trauma and they took to cannabis to relax took to cannabis to uh be a big part of their lives and actually rick flair uh talked to us about how cannabis got him off ambien and xanax yeah um you know so i mean it is a big part of every athlete uh in they use it in a medical fashion but the, I mean, all adult use is, is increased access, right? It, it, you know, it's just not needing a medical card to, to get cannabis. So you can still use it for a specific purpose in order to de-stress and or heal your body. And with that being said, you know, we'll have Mike Tyson there, who obviously is very big into plant right, medicine, right. given what he's doing in psychedelics <laughs> as well. Yeah, didn't make much of Yes, exactly. I mean, he is a huge advocate for plant medicine. And I think he is a controversial figure. And Benzinga doesn't dance around that, but it's our job to bring everybody the the most content and the best content possible so that they can see what's happening in the industry. And those are two very big names right now from the athlete celebrity world. Mm-hmm. But on top of that, we're also going to see Calvin Johnson, obviously Megatron, Megatron. from, from the Detroit, uh, Lions. The Detroit yes, yes. Lions. We'll see Rob awesome. Sims as partner there. Ricky Williams will be joining them in a conversation. Great. And I think to be announced here shortly, actually, by the time this comes out, it probably will be announced. We'll probably see some former NBA players join as well. Excellent. Um, and then on the other side of that, we're, we're looking at music. Vic Mensa actually just uh, confirmed to speak at the event. A uh, really big rapper that still, uh, I think, resides in Chicago. Super excited for him to join, as well as a few other potential musicians. So these brands, while many in the space think celebrity brands are are, are limited, they are there's a there's a time limit and a deadline on them for the moment. Yeah, they are still very important to the industry overall, and I think it's important to see how they brand themselves. I mean, just today, Tyson 2.0 formed an exclusive partnership with Hexo in Canada, and yeah. that is massive for Hexo. And I think those partnerships must be called out, and you have to respect them and or criticize them. Oh yes, yeah. yeah, it's amazing it's a there is a necessity i mean 
I've been talking quite a bit about celebrities versus influencers and, and the role they play, their participation level, their interest. And, you know, in our Empire program, we actually have a lot of those uh, high profile types that have collaborated. And I love the enthusiasm. I love that they've actually brought themselves in and how some people are just so uh, we were just talking to a uh, ball family farms and J. Alphonse Nicholson, who's uh, plays little murder on P Valley. And I just remember how much he, he's, he was saying literally out. If I can come in, I'll sweep the floor, and mop the floor at the building. If I get to learn what you guys are doing, that's the level of participation he wants to be in. And I mm -hmm. think that was great. It's like that. That's what we want in the space. And those that are, so interested in being a part and want to be completely intricate to it. Those are the people that you want. And it's just a matter of what you could do to get there. So the athletes obviously understand because of what they've gone through with their own afflictions. And then on top of that with nature boy, Reclair, near death experiences crashed. It was in a plane crash, mm -hmm. had a heart attack at what, five years ago, all the things that happened to him and for him, even with working hard, playing hard as he has in a very, you know, stellar career his i'm still surprised he's still kicking around like he does and that cannabis is doing so much for him out of everything else like you said to kick off ambient and xanax that's really great stuff amen so it's going to put a wrap on this here and for those who want to still register uh is there a lot of space stuff to go um and really just give us a few highlights of what people should know before they get on get to the show anything in terms of hotel blocks so it will any space in the palmer house hotel any availability any of that information give us what's now leading up to the show yes so www.bzcannabis.com uh super easy bzcannabis.com you can go. see the agenda you can see the speakers sponsors uh you can see our previous events our future events uh, and then you can also of course get tickets you can get a general admission ticket uh you can get a vip ticket which if you're raising uh, there's some perks there, but there's also access to other things throughout the event uh, if you want to look at that. And then there's investor tickets. Uh, and then we, of course, are still doing our social equity scholarship tickets. So if you are a social equity business owner, a minority owner, a woman owner, approved for a license, reach out to us, apply for that ticket online. Uh, we'll honor that up to the date of uh, because that is important to us to make sure that there's access at this event. Um and outside of that, the Palmer House, I believe we're almost full. So if you're hearing this, wow. uh, we still have openings. Yep. Get on it now. Uh, the room block is always a popular item. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to see uh, probably 1,500 plus high-level wow. decision makers at this event. We had 2,000 in Miami. It was yeah. one of the first business conferences back to in-person events. And it was super yeah. exciting. This is not mm -hmm. slowing down for no. us. And we're super no. excited the agenda, from my bias perspective, is stacked. I'm pumped about it. Um, but really what's more important is who you sit next to and who you shake hands with. And yep. those are the people that you're going to walk home uh, or fly home, probably not walk home, but you're going to fly home with their business cards and you're going to have more intensive discussions about how to grow both of your businesses. If you're an investor, you want to be into the space, you just want to find yourself in, explore, or you're in the space itself, you need to be at a, a, a Benzinga's Cannabis Capital Conference. Went to the one in Miami, of course, and we've done our coverage over there. And first class, all the way through, Patrick and Elliot do a great Thank job. You. Great team at Benzinga, by the way. Always love working with your team. They've, everybody's been so wonderful to us. And we definitely look forward to go ahead and getting back out there on the on the conference circuit and uh, getting to another Benzinga show in the near future. But we'll, well definitely we go ahead and talk to folks words. here. 
um, in the upcoming episodes of uh, Blunt Business and Plant Profits and the Green Peak, all of our business shows, to talk to those that are going to be speaking at the conference. And we'll definitely keep in touch, Elliot. Thanks for being on. Best of Thank luck. Thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Excited to see you in Chicago and everybody else. Excited to have you there. Absolutely. Great time of year to go also have the show. Thank you, folks, for listening to another Blunt Business. Make sure to go and give this show a five-star rating. Look for the show on Apple, Amazon, Google, Spotify, and wherever you find podcasts. And I'll talk to you next time. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.